0: Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is September 12, 2019, and this is episode 279. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll have a good old-fashioned debate. No, we won't. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It is time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, tell me. What is it upon your lips? This uh,
1: week? I'm drinking a Bell's Brewery Oktoberfest Marzen. All right, all right. Gotta love the bells. Gotta love the bells. Uh, I this is out of character for me. Okay, I'm drinking new a, one. No, it actually I've seen that beer from you.
0: Yeah, this is a a loose cannon by Heavy Seas. My favorite beer on the planet. Uh, please, run, do not walk to your nearest beverage store and go get the the purple
1: beer. The purple Heavy Seas beer. Yes. Not just any purple beer, but a purple heavy seas beer. Please. Uh, if you want to know what we're drinking on a weekly basis, check us out on ONTAP. I'm at MAGN8606.
0: I'm at Jake E 4025
1: And with that, it's time for a checkup. So, Jake, uh, nothing too big on the news. I think the biggest one was the um, Hunter Harvey right bicep soreness that was reported earlier this week. But I don't think it's that big of news. I mean, it happened sometime on the ninth. He came back and threw a bullpen session on the 10th. It just seems like it's something the Orioles are monitoring. I think this is more just a he's thrown the most amount of innings he's had through the entire season for, for a few years. I think this is just kind of the growing pains of basically – Getting your arm back into a place that you're going to be able to be a competitive pitcher.
0: Yeah, and, and I hear you, but you got to admit, when you hear Dylan Bundy and soreness. Well, I hear Hunter Harvey, not Dylan Bundy. All right, I hear you. But when you hear Hunter Harvey and arm soreness of any kind, doesn't that just raise the alarm bells for you?
1: No. I, I don't think so. I, I think that if it was something like in spring training, I'd be like, "Ugh! Like, is he? Is he? Is this gonna be an issue going forward for his entire development?" But like, we're close enough to the point where like he'll probably get like one or two more relief pitches, then he'll be done for the season. I, I'm not concerned about this at all going into a long season where he can just sit back, stroke his mustache a little bit, grow out the mullet. And just really rip back and uh, throw out of the bullpen next year. Look, someday
0: he'll be able to grow a mustache. I would not call that anything
1: near just yet. That's
0: a mustache.
1: That's a mustache.
0: Uh, we talked about this before, but just quick uh, gut check. How you feeling about Hunter Harvey? Uh, he's not going to be a starter for us, but in the current incarnation of Hunter Harvey, all that you could have wanted for him more or you still hoping for
1: more. No, I'm okay with what this is. And I think uh, his dad is going to basically say, stick with what you got. If you can be a uh, elite relief pitcher, uh, let's go ahead and do that.
0: The, the best elite relief pitchers are failed starters at some point. Yeah. Talk to
1: whichever Zach Britton you can find. Yeah. So let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Jake, start us off.
0: Yeah, the, here's the thing. Um, as Oriole fans look ahead to the next chapters of sports seasons, um, horrors will follow them. This tweet comes to us from Derek of Arnold, who tweets at Be More Birds Nest. If you're not convinced the Terps and Ravens are both going to poop the bed this weekend, you haven't been a Maryland sports fan long enough. I would argue, dearest
1: Derek, that that is the Oriole fan in you talking. He is right, though. Maryland sports is constantly depressing us. This next tweet comes from Dan Haggerty. You can follow him at, at d underscore heggs. And he tweets as follows uh, at bird's IVBAL. I said to the bird, it's my bird D30. And he's got a picture with him with the Oriole bird. And it seems he has stolen. The Oil Birds hat and is wearing it Adam Jones style. Yeah, he's pulling a he's pulling a simply
0: AJ ten. Uh, we had the opportunity to meet Dan uh, this past week. Dan, a fantastic Orioles fan, and his wife is even more uh, tolerant because she spent time with us too. Uh, go ahead and follow D underscore Heggs on the Twitters. A a better human being and a better Orioles fan you will not find. Definitely better than Jake. Totally. Uh, next tweet. Jake, take it away. Listen, this is something of which I up- approve. Is it I po pu- pu- poo Yes. This is a tweet from Bill F62. It's here. It's here. It is a picture of a number 12 Baltimore Orioles custom jersey with the name DR Space Poo Poo. That's right. That's a Dr. Poo Poo. Dr. Poo Poo custom jersey. And well I done. I
1: a poo prove of it so we're going to need to see uh your board certification going forward <laughs> and uh we're going to also need a rectal exam listen and I, a uh, a stool sample
0: i think that bill f62 can probably throw 58 miles an hour and so that's dr poo-poo to me
1: uh bill uh bueno 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 uh tip of the cap this week to you uh Next tweet comes from Tyler Grote. You can follow him at Tyler underscore Grote. He responds as following uh, to actually the game that we went to uh, on uh, Friday night. Uh, We bought the Orioles $30 ticket pass for every home game in September. It comes with a general admission ticket. And uh, there are between 10 to 15K people here. I'd say it's probably close to 10 or 11K. Um, And we went to sit in the section uh, in the outfield in the sixth inning and was immediately told to move. Great fan experience. Look, I understand how this happened.
0: Two things. Uh, first, the usher uh, has no heart. But there is a very simple answer to this problem. One of two things needs to happen. All those people that brought st- bought standing room only tickets to all September home games are clearly not going to stand for three hours. All right, So the ushers, there needs to be an unofficial policy that these people go somewhere. Look, if it's upstairs, that's fine. You're not going to buy. Is it like $9? What does it work out to per game?
1: Uh, I think it was 13 games. So I think it came out to be like less than $3 per ticket.
0: Okay. If you sit, look, look. if, if you're an usher and somebody with a general admission uh, ticket, standing room only, comes to try to sit in your section and you're, you know, in the outfield or in the lower deck, all you need to do is take them aside and say, look, I got you. I hear you. Go sit upstairs somewhere, anywhere you want. Anywhere you want.
1: I think it's even simpler than that. It's you're not allowed to sit in the lower bowl right behind home plate. Sure. Um, And then it's you can sit anywhere else in the stadium. If someone comes to your seat that you're sitting in and indicates, hey, I have this seat, You must get up as a general admission holder and go find another seat in the stadium.
0: Which probably means moving one seat over. Correct.
1: And it's as simple as that of saying, sir, I actually have this seat. Would you mind moving to another seat in the general vicinity? I wholeheartedly agree. I think the upstairs
0: thing is like worst case scenario. Yes. I think that the ushers should be
1: thankful that you're there. Look, they've already lost the money on those seats. Yeah i completely agree i mean the other thing too is it doesn't make any sense to open the upper deck it should just be completely That's closed true. down from just cleaning out the stadium standpoint there's no point to do it there's no sense to open the concession stands there's no point to clean the restrooms just shut it all down scotty are you calling us upstairs people dirty yes okay yes i am
0: all right our next tweet uh comes to us from orioles on mass and at mass and orioles It has a picture of a smiling rockabaco, and the tweet is as follows The happiest of birthdays to at Mass and Rock. Look,
1: I can take care of this. Oh, please do. Happy birthday. Mr. Kabako.
0: Listen, you don't want to know what Scott has just popped out of right now. It, thank God. I don't know where this format. air is
1: coming from, but it is certainly cleaning out the um
0: If you are not uncomfortable right now, listener, just bask in my discomfort. Um, ooh, belly button hair. <laughs> Mr. Kabako, who never ever skips arm day. Uh one of the best on the beat i mean clearly rock is uh great for the orioles for orioles fans Uh, i'm delighted that he's here and uh yeah he's one of the good guys happy birthday
1: next week comes from bill plunkett at bill plunkett ocr tonight's dodgers versus orioles game is on fox with rich hill returning a small crowd expected and the technology of field microphones it could be a very colorful listen
0: you know, I never thought about it that way before. Yeah. But uh, the fact that nobody's there may get exciting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I like that. All right. Our last tweet is as follows. This comes from uh, P. Smith, who tweets, tweets at Pry with a Y. Smith. Trump is coming to Baltimore today for some GOP shindig, and traffic is expected to be a catastrophe because there's an Orioles game uh, to go on at the same time. Why isn't there any media reporting yet? Listen, look, I, I understand where you're trying to go with all this. And I know that it's easy to complain about the traffic associated with any uh, major uh, traffic disruption like the president of the United States, regardless of what president. But I have a real problem with his tweet. I have a serious issue. hmm Anybody who thinks of the fact that there's an Orioles game in Baltimore right now with the number of people that are going to show up impacting traffic in any way, shape or form just doesn't understand what Orioles baseball is.
1: Yeah, I mean, frankly, um, I think that um, Donald Trump and the rest of the Republicans probably should have rescheduled accordingly, um, considering that I believe it may be Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur and that uh, the Orioles are allowed to play on that day. Um, but other events while the Oars are playing uh, are not allowed to occur.
0: Wait, wait—is there a football game going on at the same time? Oh, we're not talking football. Okay. Uh, look, that's a sensitive topic, and we just avoided our our, our best uh, political talk. Our and, you best. Know, sometimes uh, political talk happens on the show, and it's it's not well received. Uh, so clearly, I think that we need to continue to shy away from that in our next segment.
2: Good evening, and welcome to the 2019 Bird's Eye View Idiotic Debate. This is Jovial J. Shepard, the voice of the Bevies and moderator of tonight's debate. This episode marks the first opportunity to hear your hosts go head-to-head on topics related to the 2019 Baltimore Orioles. Actually, scratch that. That's, it's basically the content and format of the podcast. Anyway, as Oriole fans work through their feelings on the Orioles and whether or not they trust the process— Jake and Scott will debate for the merits of arguments across the gamut of Orioles baseball. We'll dive into topics such as healthcare, immigration, defense, and how badly we miss Buck Showalter's nose whistle. Your hosts will conform to the format totally and completely subject to my whim. There will be times when each host will have up to 60 seconds to speak, and the other will have 60 seconds for a response or a follow-up question. There will be times when they fail to make a coherent point, and I cut them off. There will also be times when I'd stop paying attention and just space out for a few minutes. The point is, when it's time for either Scott or Jake to stop speaking, I will let them know. Unlike the moderators of the national political debates, I am actually interested in moving this along. To make either host stop speaking, I will either cut his mic, or more likely will apply an electric shock until I am satisfied he has gotten the message. Jake... We're going to start with you, and we're going to address one of the most hotly debated topics in the country today, healthcare. Do you think the Orioles' 2019 season was hampered by
0: injuries? I do not believe that the Orioles' 2019 season was hampered by injuries. In fact, I would say that the Orioles' 2019 season was helped by injuries. And I know that sounds counterproductive, but you need to consider the fact that we came into this season with the possibility that Mark Trumbo may have taken up a roster spot. And I know there's been a lot of uh, emotion for Mark Trumbo coming back and probably finishing his career, and, and that's great. He's been a good teammate. He's worked hard to get back. It's nice to see him play a few games. But I'm glad that on the days that Chris Davis wasn't at first, that it was Trey Mancini. I wasn't so glad when it was Renato Nunez, but, or Rio Ruiz, but I digress. The point is not having that roster spot held down by somebody that wasn't part of the future consideration, was a good thing. And I would actually argue the same thing about Alex Cobb. We all would have preferred to see a healthy Alex Cobb, but i got to be honest, we got to take a look at a lot of pitchers and decide that we either had nothing or we had less than nothing. And that is a far less emotionally expensive process when we didn't just hand the guy 50-plus million dollars. And so, no, I would say not hampered helped. Scott, your response.
1: So, thank you for the time, and thank you for letting me uh, come on this uh, debate and uh, talk to uh, my rival here, in Jake English. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I feel there's a, a similar sentiment being had in terms of uh, how good could the season be um, with the with the players that are out there. But frankly, I, I think my 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 opponent here is uh, not realizing, um, you know, the issues that are at hand in terms of. The common fan of Birdland. Look, we are going through economic turmoil. There has been an embargo put on uh, individuals coming into this organization, and uh, in essence, uh, transforming it into what it is. And what are we left with? We're left with ACL injuries, Tommy John injuries, and and my opponent here mentions, oh, it's not that big of a deal that Alex Cobb was lost, folks. If there's one thing we have learned this season, it's that three Scots do not belong in Birdland. There should not be a Scott Magnus, a Taylor Scott, and a Tanner Scott. There is only one Scott for Birdland, unless it's Luke Scott. I'm all for Luke Scott for the right-wing side. So that is my conversation.
2: May I rebuttal? Actually, I'm going to have to stop you because I don't care. Next, we move on to immigration. The Baltimore Orioles have historically been hesitant to bring international players here to the organization. Scott, are there any indications that the Elias regime had made real changes, and more importantly, how have those changes
1: impacted the organization? So, Jay, thanks for bringing up this really, um, you know, important conversation piece. Um, Folks, we are in um, an immigration crisis, as it were, and, uh, you know, for years upon years... Uh, we had, in essence, closed our borders to accepting individuals uh, into Birdland and uh, embracing them with uh, open arms for, you know, a minor amount of money. Uh, you know, we did accept a few individuals like Adriel Alvarez, um, who literally had to float to come into Birdland. Um, and, you know, we and Chen came over on a foreign exchange program. But, folks, uh, if we're going to truly make a difference, it's similar to what— Uh, we have uh, employed this year through the Elias regime, and that's staking our own land in other people's countries and uh, claiming it as our own in Birdland. So I am all for that the uh, entire Western Hemisphere uh, should be under the control of Birdland. Thank you very much. Jake? Look, I think that answer is simply unacceptable. It's
0: unacceptable. We have not made the progress that anybody thinks we need to make. The doors to South Korea are still closed to the Baltimore Orioles because of the damage done in the previous regime. We are still dealing with the fallout of a generation of Baltimore Orioles management that has been, frankly, hostile to the international market. Oh, sure, it's great that Mike Elias is here now. It's great that we have a rational human being who may be interested in moving this organization forward. That's great. But until I see real results, I say it doesn't matter. It's much ado about nothing. It's lip service at best. Okay, great. We're going to be more involved in the international market. But are we there yet? No. I say no. I think a great first step was making a trade like the Kashner trade, right, for a couple of kids that we don't know who may amount to nothing. But the point is it's lottery picks, Right, And so the Orioles need to cast their net wide, right? irrespective of wherever that player may be. They need to look through every nook and cranny in the Caribbean, in Asia, anywhere they can find baseball players, because though the cupboard is not bare, this organization has a reputation to overcome. The organization is not just looking for better players. They are also looking to be an attractive landing spot for players that weren't born in the United States. And frankly, they have a lot still to overcome. Hmm, Interesting. Let's move on to the next topic.
2: Jake, one of the quiet changes Mike Elias made before the season started was stripping Brady Anderson of his executive title. What former Oriole, in your mind, should be the next undeserving vice president of baseball operations?
0: That's a great question, Jay, and thank you for raising it. You know, this is one of the questions that I think really speaks to the the heart of of the Orioles organization, the heart of Birdland. And if we're to restore the moral fiber of this organization, if we're to be able to hold our heads high in the baseball community, we need to reach back into that deep depth that we have of former players capable of not only holding a, a questionable office that doesn't really mean anything, but being first and foremost a reminder of, of past good times and secondly, not hard on the eyes. And so when I think about this undeserving uh, vice president of baseball operations role, I think back to, you know, the questions that we had during the, the Buckle Up Birds era. Um, and the constant question was, which of these players, you know, could be a manager someday? And the instant answer was always Matt Weiders because the, the catcher is always named that for some reason. But the second answer that people gave was J.J. Hardy. And so J.J. Hardy is my clear runaway winner for best candidate uh, of being an undeserving uh, vice president of baseball operations. Not sure what he would bring to the organization, but he would be pretty. He would be uh, a reminder of the best days. And in those times in which he's introduced at Fanfest and possibly to throw out a uh, ceremonial first pitch, Ryan Wagner would uh, Ryan Wagner would have my heart at that moment.
1: <clears throat> J.J. Hardy is my choice. Scott? Well, what my opponent fails to realize here is uh, he didn't answer the question uh that was necessary at the time. Uh Jay, uh, I believe at least one of us was listening to the question that was posed to us and it was what undeserving member of the Orioles deserves to have this position? Look, if we're gonna go out there and you know pick the nearest and greatest to our heart, you know, JJ Hardy was great, but like honestly, do we really want to walk half walking around somebody that can't even walk? You know, if I'm gonna go out and get a former Oriole that's great, I'm gonna go out and get Adam Jones. But the question that was raised to us by by UJ was undeserving. So if I'm thinking undeserving vice president of baseball operations that still has a sentimental tie to us, I've got to think, who can we pick in order just to PO all, all the fake media out there that's covering the Orioles? And I'm thinking Eric Bedard is a perfect choice to talk to you media members, Jay Shepard, and uh, puts you in your place, as it were, while we as fans can reminisce about the good times of what Eric Bedard brought us by leaving this organization. So Eric Bedard goes out and he becomes my next undeserving vice president of baseball operations. You are
2: too wrong to continue speaking. We're moving on to the next question. Now, on to defense. Oh, I see. It's defense. Sorry about that. Is, is Hanser Alberto a capable defender at multiple infield positions.
1: Jay, you know, I, I think it's great that um, members such as yourself and, you know, the members of Birdland um, are latching on to Hansa Alberto and hoping to see great things from him going forward in the future. But the frank reality of the situation is it just doesn't work that way. You can create these utopian visions in your head, but the reality is Hanzo Alberto does not fit in to what I consider to be the next great birdland. And, you know, I just think that, you know, it's great that he's having the success. But in aspect, we just need to cast him aside, as it were, and uh, bring in someone uh, that is a little bit more serviceable at the corner positions. Jake, your response? All right. My opponent over here seems to be a bit of an elitist
0: when it comes to defensive prowess during a rebuild. But frankly, for the money that we are paying Hanser Alberto, money, by the way, which is dear during a rebuild, and cannot be spent in the wrong places. For the money that we are paying Hanser Alberto, I would take him at second, third, left field, DH, as long as it's against the lefty. What are we talking about here? What are our expectations? What is the reality here? This is a bad baseball team. And Hanser Alberto? Hanser Alberto is good on a bad baseball team. Who else is going to pull at that lawnmower or whatever it is that they're doing now? Huh? Hanser Alberto is the bridge, And he's the bridge at third, and he's the bridge at second, and he's the bridge at wherever it is that we need him to be while we're not bringing up players too soon and or they're not here yet. If we had better options, fine, that's great. But we don't. We have a player that is in laughably the race for average. He's going for a batting title. And we're asking if his defense is good enough? Yes, his defense is good enough at that position, and that position, and that position. Our expectations need to be low, my friends. We're talking about 40s and 50s for win totals. Until it matters, it doesn't matter. Jake, while the rebuild happens and the wins
2: and losses don't matter, can Anthony Santander play center field?
0: The answer should be, of course he can. But I tell you what, my friends. He shouldn't have to. The difference between Anthony Santander and Hanser Alberto is that we may have something in Anthony Santander. Right? When the Orioles are good again, Anthony Santander may still yet be here. But he won't be a center fielder. And so why... Should we fool ourselves? Should Anthony Santander play during this rebuild? Of course he should, but what should he be doing? He should be hitting. He should be hitting, and he should be playing the corner outfield, and he should be DHing, and very little else. Now and again, if he wants to play center because we have nobody else, because there are injuries, because the cupboard is bare, because we've made some horrific change uh, trade, that's fine. Uh, but I say. Anthony Santander, as an asset, should not be turned into something that he is not. And he is not a center fielder. And so, as as passionately as I feel about Hanser Alberto being good enough for the time being, Anthony Santander may be a piece. You know, we're not talking a big piece. Maybe he's a
1: Steve Pierce-type piece. How dare you? How dare you even compare him to Steve Pierce? Look. Folks, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt my candidate for his simplistic, ignorant mindset that he is bringing to the table here. Look, in in my plan, uh, Anthony Santander doesn't even get to look at center field. The fact of the matter is, there is only one true center fielder for the Baltimore Orioles. And that person is Adam Jones. The Orioles should have gone out there, spent the $2 million, and said... Adam Jones is going to be the center fielder until he determines he no longer wants to do this you anymore. Know, you know what? I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to risk the shock collar here, Scott, because we're not even talking about the same person. Anthony Santander doesn't exist, my friend. And if you don't even know his name, I don't even you don't need, don't need to know his name.
1: No. I don't even need to know it. Look, in my plan, if you go to birdseyeviewbaltimore.com, you can come across it. It is Birdland for all who want it. And you can check out to see why I believe Adam Jones is our future now and forever going forward. Look, classic
0: Scott Magnus trying to take us into the past. Oh, sure, it's 2110 Utah Street. Let's just keep going back. No, I say look to the future. And though that future may have a small part of it dedicated to Anthony Santander, I say let's look boldly forward as boldly as we can with Santander. Okay, okay, all right. I've had about enough of this. We're moving on. Scott,
2: now that the Orioles have exceeded last year's total of 45 wins, can we definitively say that Elias's 2019 squad that is tanking is better than Duquette's 2018 team that was trying?
1: Jay, I, I, I respect you and the uh, position that you are in. Um, but what an absolutely idiotic question. Uh, there's no chance that the Elias 2019 squad... Is tanking. They're going out there every single night and representing Birdland to its findest. And uh you just they're just a you know yes, the results are terrible, but the fact of the matter is they still bring pride to Balt. And it's the shot caller for you.
0: Okay, just hang on here a second. Are we really dealing in a post-fact world? Do facts have no more meaning? Is there no truth? This 2019 squad is not good. It's not great. We are not making Birdland great again. Now, no, my friends. This team is tanking. And it's going to be hard. There are going to be games that test our fandom. There are going to be lots of empty seats. But they're doing this for you and they're doing this for me, and they're doing this for our children and our grandchildren. This rebuild is about not only bringing us back to winning, but bringing us back to a sustainable model of winning. This is to bring us back so that we don't have to dr- drag ourselves from the depths every year. We want to look like the Houston Astros. We want to look like the St. Louis Cardinals. We don't want to look like the team that has been stomped upon by Major League Baseball, by the New York Yankees, by the Boston Red Sox, by former fans in Washington, D.C. No, this team is not good, but the trajectory is what matters. Are we better than 2018? Doesn't matter. Are we better off than we would have been if we had continued with a Dan Duquette, damn the torpedoes approach? I say yes, and I think Birdland says yes. Do they trust the process? Maybe not yet. But they are more comfortable now than ever before. Scott, we're going to stick with
2: you. Will Chris Davis be a member of the 2020 Orioles? No. Would you care to elaborate? No. Jake, same question to you. Uh, no. And would you care to elaborate? Uh, no. Okay, well then, moving right along. Scott, of the 25 or so members of the organization's coaching ranks and front office who have recently been let go, which was the greatest loss?
1: Jay, I'm glad that you brought this up. Um, frankly, every job out there right now in Burland is a valuable one. And uh, frankly, what I think we've seen in this transition into the new Elias regime is um, a foregoing of or foreboding of uh, what's going to occur in the future. This is a clear example of automation, once again, taking over jobs from individuals who've been in their positions for years upon years. And if we do not respond accordingly as Birdland to this era of automation then, by gosh, stats and numbers are going to run our life. Jake, your response? All right. I understand my opponent's
0: view that seemingly goes against every view he's ever expressed on the show about the fear of automation. But if we can get serious for a moment, there has been real loss in this organization, and nobody can deny that. And no one likes to see a person lose their job. Right? We have to be compassionate. As we make changes, unless it's Chris Davis, right? We agree on that, absolutely. Okay, be gone, sir. But I think one of the most important changes that took place was uh, a parting of ways with Trip Norton, and I think that that's an important uh, change because it signals the passing of the baton. When Dan Duquette was let go, Trip Norton, in many ways, ran this organization until Michael Elias could get his feet on the ground. And he remained part of the organization and he was part of that institutional knowledge that Elias depended upon to get the right information and to make the right calls. And I think the fact that we're seeing Trip Norton no longer with the organization means that this is truly Elias's organization now. There is no need at this point for continued institutional knowledge. And whereas we can thank. Mr. Norton for his service, and the other 25 members of this organization that are now uh, no longer here, I find that exciting. I find this to be an exciting future where we have an actual change in leadership, an actual change in direction. Is change hard? Yes. But change is worth it. I don't know. I can't tell you that this is change that you can believe in. What I can tell you is that change is here and for the last generation of Orioles baseball all we've been asking for is a different approach to things. And my friends, it is here. And so we have to get on board. Jake, is tanking bad for baseball? You know, I'm glad you asked this question. As I go around this great baseball country of ours, I talk to fans about this very issue. Because I think it's it's new and interesting and uh, more uh, present in our sport than ever before. I have a good friend. His name is Chris Williams. He's a Cardinals fan. He's not perfect, but of course no one is. Um, and, you know, he has been against tanking his entire fandom uh, because when he experienced it, it was during the Houston Astros rebuild, uh, you know, during the Astro ball era. And he was sick to death about the fact that his organization could sustainably keep a winning team together, and these Astros would simply just tank, lose for several seasons, and suddenly be you know re- reborn again like the Phoenix. We talked this week about the Orioles and whether or not tanking is bad, and he had a different view. He said, you know, the Orioles didn't have any other choice. It's different between the, the Astros and the Orioles. This person's opinion from a Cardinals fandom, is that the Orioles' intentions are pure and that their backs were up against the wall and they had no other choice. Is tanking bad for baseball? No. Under the right circumstances. Now, I'm not going to pass judgment on Houston. That's not my role. I don't need to get involved in that. What I can tell you is this. It did no good for Major League Baseball and the Baltimore Orioles' ownership to let one of the premier franchises in our sport, rot on the vine for a generation. The Orioles were terrible long enough that they last won when I was in middle school and they started winning again when I sent my daughter to kindergarten. It's an entire generation of loss. Wins and losses, loss of fans, compounded by the fact that they dropped a team in the jewel of the Orioles' territory. Which is worse? 20-plus years of terrible baseball, or a couple short years, hopefully, for great gain? If this turns out to be a reboot, if this turns out to be a brief blip that the Orioles are able to recover from and never go back to again, at least not for another generation, then no, tanking is not bad for baseball. What is bad for baseball is if teams are too quick to pull the trigger on tanking. If there are 17 teams out of the 30 that are tanking because they want a better draft pick or they don't want to have to spend money because they can better allocate it, that's a problem. That's a problem. If tanking becomes widespread to the point in which there's nobody trying to compete against the five or six teams that can arguably win every year, yes, that's bad for baseball. But is it bad for the Baltimore Orioles to try to do something to break the cycle of what has been clearly a terrible era of baseball? No. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and there has never been a more desperate time than now. Fourteen straight years of losing, followed by a brief and bright period of competitiveness, followed by the depths... Of horror. This is a franchise in crisis, and it takes bold moves, painful moves, moves that will lead us to darker places in order to get back to the light. Is tanking bad for baseball? Maybe in the macro sense, but tanking seems to be right for Baltimore in this moment.
1: My opposition continues to talk about change. He wants to dramatically flip over the table, as it were, and talks of macro effects versus micro effects, you're allowing an individual with a poli-sci degree from American University to talk to you who probably only walked past an economics class at American University. The only classes that he attended while in college was theater, theater, and American history. And yet we're going to listen to him say... This is how we are going to change a billion-dollar industry. Now, folks, listen. I can listen to the rants and the raves of someone far on the left side that is saying we need to flip the script as it were, but we don't need to go in that direction. We need to return to a sense of normalcy. If we can return to a sense of normalcy, Compared to this current era that we are in, then we're going to be in better shape. My opponent talks about how, well, not everybody in baseball is tanking. He's absolutely right. Not everybody in baseball is tanking. There are six or seven teams that are not tanking right now, and everybody else is pretty much tanking. We can look at other teams that have been tanking historically for a long period of time. We can look at the Tigers organization, we can look at the Padres organization. And what happens to the Padres organization after they go tanking for many years? They go out and sign one of the best players in the orga- in, in the entire league in Manny Machado, who I think we are familiar with here in Berlin. And what happens? They end up tanking again. So, folks, I tell you, this utopian vision that my candidate puts out there of saying we're all going to be better off by going through this, it's just a fantasy illusion. It's it's. Fuzzy math, as it were. And it's not reality. What's really happening is the owners are making money on you through your subscription for TV fees while not having to put out a product out there. While my candidate expounds on the virtues of Hanzo Alberto at the corner infield positions.
2: Let me follow up on that, if I may.
0: Is John Heyman bad for baseball? Is John Heyman bad for baseball? Um, probably not. But am I enough of a homer that I will continue to ride him whenever the Orioles do well? Yes. Look, you poke the bear, sometimes you get the claws. And the Orioles fans have had enough. Look, we know we're bad. We don't need you to tell us. And if you tell us with the wrong tone... You're going to get the business end of a tweet, my friend. So is John Heyman bad for baseball? Maybe not. But is John Heyman worth hating
1: just out of loyalty to the Baltimore Orioles? Of course he is. It's this kind of attitude that I would expect from uh, a population and a fan base whose most favorite, you know, Twitter follower is an individual out of Australia. So listen, uh, there's nothing wrong with what John Heyman is pointing out. He's absolutely right that uh, there really is nothing to root for for this team. If you say otherwise, you're in essence lying to yourself. In reality, this is a rat-infested city, a rat-infested fan base, and a rat-infested franchise. And if we don't make changes to it, then in essence, we're in deep trouble. Well,
2: thank you, gentlemen. With the time remaining, I will now move on to each of you for your closing remarks. By the flip of the coin, we're going to start with you, Jake. Your closing remarks, sir.
0: I, I'm, I'm sorry. Me? me uh, closing? Yes, your closing remarks. See, I was actually not entirely sure that we were supposed to prepare uh, closing remarks. And so I, I studied for the front half, a uh, little shaky on the back half.
2: Uh, okay well is there no episode of this podcast you cannot ruin fine all right well with that said i think it's probably just best that we end here thank you all for listening to the 2019 bird's eye view idiotic debate from sd studios in bel-air maryland this is jovial j wishing you a pleasant evening good night
0: I, I don't feel good about this week. This feels a little bit like taking candy from a baby. All the sads. Scott, you gave me the option of taking anybody with a pulse over Chris Davis. Yeah. Your option was Chris Davis or. And I took the or. And, um, you know, it just, it just doesn't feel right. But... Uh, yeah uh Mark Trumbo out produced Chris Davis because numbers numbers
1: data yeah
0: automation <laughs> I do apologize if the, if there were a way I could reverse this Scott if i could if I could turn back time if I could find a way, I'd take back all the things that had hurt you, and I'd say Chris Davis all right well.
1: What category are you picking this week?
0: I am going to uh you know last time we went with the uh last time I picked we went with a good old-fashioned dongathon yeah and uh you know that was okay yeah, I guess uh let's do this sure you're a pitcher you record a strikeout mm-hmm. I want count of strikeout not k percentage. I'm talking count. And the, the, the challenge there clearly is who's going to go the most innings or pitch the most innings in relief and then has a, a good enough K percentage. So, right. Scotty, who are you taking for K per, uh, for strikeouts?
1: All right. So, the way that this typically works is uh, we throw out a category. Uh, I select an individual that makes some sense. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, Jake. Pick someone random and he wins. So I'm going to go with uh, Doctor Poo Poo himself. I'm going to go with Steve Wilkerson.
0: <laughs> that is a that is a great approach. <laughs> and frankly, I'm with you. Uh, all right, you've taken Doctor Poo Poo. Doctor Poo Poo. I therefore do not feel comfortable taking chalk. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go with a
1: watch. Oh, a
0: I'm going to go with a watch, which okay. which is a bold choice. Bold choice. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're up against Doctor Poo, who
1: will go and get more innings this week? Awaj or Doctor Poo Poo? Awaj might be the reason
0: that Doctor Poo gets comes,
1: innings comes in. Yes.
0: Oh, this this season it has been a mm, it's dark. It's something.
1: It's dark. All right. With that, let's find out who was good, who was bad, and who was ugly this past week in Birdland.
0: That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to start this week's good, bad, and ugly in the same place I left off my bad last week, and that is Reynato Nunez. And look, I could say that this was because of his weighted runs created a plus of 135 this week or his wobo of 377, but no. That would make sense. No, I'm giving him my good this week for that incredibly impressive dong on Wednesday evening against the Dodgers. That home run was fun to watch. It was deep. It was long. It was gone. Renato Nunez may not have all the tools in the shed, but boy howdy does he have the power. That was a fun home run to watch, and so for that alone, he's my
1: good this week. My good is going to go to the entire Baltimore Orioles organization for losing so many games that they now are back in competition for that number one draft pick. Kudos. For going out there and doing what you should be doing, which is losing. That Detroit Tigers series is going to be some fun. Going to be some
0: terrible baseball. All right, my bad this week goes to Anthony Santander. You know, he was second on the team this week with 26 plate appearances and had nothing to show for himself, including a negative 24 weighted runs created plus any 141 WOBA to go with a 26.9K percentage and, well, let me just take a moment, take a deep breath, and I want to talk to his real fans, all right? All I can say is that Santander was a loaded tosh this week. The bloke really tossed the pot and was nothing more than a damp squib all week.
1: Yeah. If you're not watching the UK Parliament debates right now, you're not doing things right. No. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we just get political there for a second? No,
0: no. It doesn't matter. Nobody's listening at yeah, this point.
1: that's true. Uh, my bad for the week is going to go to Ty Block.
0: I'm sorry, is that a real
1: person? Uh, Ty Block is a real person. Okay. But uh, he doesn't pitch like a real person. So uh, Ty Block with a 9.82 ERA, 9.21 FIP. Uh, he gets my my bad for the week. Mainly because he's not a real person. <laughs> I'm not
0: convinced no. still. All right, my ugly this week goes to the Delmarva Shorebirds. Delmarva, I was super excited about you. And I got to tell you, nobody likes a tease. Uh, It was a super bummer to see them eliminated from the playoffs so quickly. Uh, Delmarva, you know, was the great hope for this organization. And, of course, you know, in any playoff series, in any short series, anything can happen. But, boy, howdy, it would have been nice. It would have felt good to have them advance uh, because there's no chance of anything happening at the major league level. So Delmarva, thank you for compounding my disappointments. And for that, you were my
1: ugly. Uh, my ugly uh, goes, to, uh, goes to the Texas Rangers. It seems like every single time the Orioles are going to play uh, the Texas Rangers, uh, they always either get swept by them or destroyed. It's like harbingers of the past in terms of 30 to 3. I don't know what it is about the Rangers organization – But it's like the Rangers come in here and absolutely clobber the Orioles. Maybe it's just they like the ballpark. Um, Maybe, you know, the Rangers batters are, you know, acclimated to it. And they're just like, wow, this is a really small ballpark compared to where we play. But whatever it is, um, when the Rangers come to town, uh, the Orioles are certainly not going to win a series. uh, And it's certainly going to be a disaster for the entire pitching staff. Yeah. Yeah. That's no good. All right. Why don't we go ahead and blow the save? I think we already did this for about twenty or thirty minutes, but um, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and do that now.
0: All right, it's the time that we wrap up the show, folks. We do certainly hope that you enjoyed. The political theater that Scott and I put on this evening for this particular podcast. That was theater? Uh, It was something. But the episode, for better or for worse, uh, despite having our voices in it, also had an appearance by one of our favorites, and that, of course, is Jovial J. Shepard, who not only is the voice of the bevvies, but is also one of the finest human beings you could ever have the pleasure of knowing. Uh, And rather than me tell you, where it is that you can find Jay online, Where rather than me telling you where you should go to listen to all the things that he produces. Uh, I'm going to just shut up for a second and give him this moment. Jay, blow the
2: save. And if you'd like to check out some of the other great shows that I work on, which are part of the superhero suite of podcasts, you can listen to Scarlet Velocity, a Flash podcast, Green Justice, an Arrow podcast, or agents of shield case files on retrosap.com. You can also follow me on ForceCast.net with Jedi Journals, the
0: longest running Star Wars literature podcast in the galaxy. And that that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at baltimore.com
1: Birds Eye View is available for download wherever it is your podcast subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Spotify and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback and it keeps us on the debate floor stage as long as we're in the top 10. Give us that
0: 2%. Come get social with us. You can email us at contact at com. You can find us on social media. I've been doing the Instagram a lot more these days. It's popular with the kids. You should follow. Uh, we're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Snapchat. But The best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter where we tweet at birdseyeview B-A-L I was trying to do the zap thing I appreciate that yeah. I, mean, I like that Yeah, and with that Baltimore and beyond I'll bid you all a fond
1: adieu adieu good night Baltimore be safe out there and let's go Oats. we're really not a rat infested fan base are we no just this podcast and Nestor Fabricio? No. Kind of looks radish. No comment. No comment. Would you like to go on air with him? No comment.
0: No.